Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Your Practice podcast, where you get to learn about branding and marketing and scaling your private practice. I'm Brent Stutzman, your host, and today we're going to be talking about owning and running not one, but two private practices. So, and to help uh, help me do that is Brian Garibaldi, owner of Clinical Care Consultants and Lake Cook Behavioral Health here in the Chicagoland area. Welcome to the show, Brian. Hi there. Uh, we're going to be talking about this, uh, well, just how crazy you are and owning two <laughs> private practices. My crazy endeavors, yes. Yeah, and you know, the more, before we even started recording, you talked about getting this camper to go around the country with during COVID with your family right. and uh, in like remodeling that whole thing right. and then now you know interested in owning a pizza shop or something yeah yeah <laughs> that's just like entertaining ideas some ta- ideas you just leave on the table and you go with other stuff well um, the reason why we got uh, connected is because you reached out about some website video stuff you saw some of my right. video and then we just had, I just had a really fun conversation with you. You're a like, real entertaining guy. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I was like, I need you on the podcast. Cause the, you know, there's, I, I, the, the clients I support, they just own one private practice and right. that seems like enough uh, for them. But I would love for you to kind of give us a little backstory of how you became a mental health professional and uh, kind of your journey to journey to practice. therapy uh, empire. <laughs> I kind of don't know how it happens sometimes, but, um, I just like suddenly I have a therapy empire. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, I was born in Texas. Now, how far back are we going? Um, let's see. What, what, what makes the most sense? Um, I have a bachelor's degree in chemistry and biology. It's actually oh, okay. in chemistry. I just, they tacked on in biology because I had, had a lot enough. of biology classes yeah. or whatever. But like I'm almost like a chemistry guy through. But who knows what you're like doing in high school or even college. You're just trying to like pick a routes like you can work various jobs but you have no idea like career-wise what it's like to do a job or right. like like even chemistry you think oh that's a specific route there's a whole umbrella of every subject about a thousand different kind of positions that require different skills or require different personality traits mm-hmm. or if you like it so you know we just kind of like pick what we're doing so um so yeah i have this degree in chemistry and then I didn't want to like be a bench chemist, like bachelor's degree bench chemist. Like I don't know if that was my forte. So I went to graduate is ben- school. Is a bench chemist someone that sits at a bench and does chemistry? Like I don't even really know because I never worked. No, I kind of did. But <laughs> yeah, you just like – you're doing work in a lab maybe for a corporation or something oh, okay. or a smaller – look, I barely even – I never worked in that industry that much. I did internships and worked in academia. I worked in labs there. And I was like, is this what I'm doing all day? I couldn't see myself doing that, and yeah. I didn't know other areas. So I went to graduate school. So I wasn't sure. Let's just get more education. And I was in a graduate school program that was a really cool topic called medicinal chemistry, which is like drug design, which is like which is like how drugs hit receptor sites and like oh. how ibuprofen actually works in your body and why it's different than like uh, – like, why it's different like aspirin or like how morphine is different than heroin because the, the molecule is like super close. Most people would look at it and not even like look at like how they're different. But, you know, they have – that and codeine have way different impacts but like they're just structurally different. It's really cool stuff. But like, um, yeah, I didn't do that well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to down the program a little bit. I don't know if the program was the best for me. Yeah. It was a little weird. I was only – I was an American kid there, okay. <laughs> like, but it was like, you know, I didn't do well. Um, I was on academic probation the first semester. Wow, just right. I think right half the kids the- were. <laughs> I was just the lowest, 
there's like a room they all put you in and right. you're looking around and it's like how bad is it so we just jump into like my epic failures is that good that's fine like and it's easy now that i'm kind of through a lot of it mm-hmm. but like and and i mean this totally overlaps into how i do therapy like when i work with kids in college or school and they're not good at something man i'm like i have epic failures i like to say right. i basically like you know, I had AP credit in chemistry, had an interest in it. My dad's a retired surgeon in healthcare, medical area. Went to college, got my my degrees there in chemistry, biology. Went to graduate school and then was in academic probation for like a year, year and a half. And then I left before they kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like. I quit before you fired I me. I <laughs> probably could have got my probation extended probably, but I was just like, this is enough. I was pretty miserable there. Got it. So I left, and, and you went into therapy for yourself. Well, no? I was in therapy for a little bit there. Oh, they, okay, yeah, yeah, because I would like do really well in some classes, and then not, and then you know, it's it, performance can be highly connected to anxiety. So mm. you know, it's the first time I saw like a psychologist. I did, I did it took some assessment, psychological assessment, and stuff, and I did pretty well. And so all that, I love my. I got a job with my friends at this technology company. Okay. It was in pharmacy technology, so it looked like my background applied, but it didn't really. The fact that I was more into computers and stuff as a kid really applied more, so Mm -hmm, all that mm -hmm. education really didn't mean crap. Yeah. They hired me. (laughs) So you're in a tech company, and then, so how does that bridge into... Oh, it it doesn't really directly bridge, but (laughs) I I think it's important to go, that was the first time I really felt successful. Like, at school, I struggled... Like, I don't think I would really qualify for ADHD, but, like, I for sure have some traits, hyperactive, distractibility traits yeah. that makes, like, performing with the level of students I was performing with at, like, very difficult. Mm. So, you know, I kind of felt bad, couldn't focus on school, and was always, like, beating myself up about, like, why can't I just study more and stuff like that. And so when I started working, I really, like, got my feet, like, as an adult, got my feet under me as far as, like – you know, being good at something, making some money, having benefits, mm-hmm. like that really built my like foundation moving forward. And I like to think it provided me some space to like really think like you get a regular paycheck to think, what do I want to do here? Mm. And so I did really well at that position generally. <laughs> <laughs> like I, did, I, I promoted quickly, um, but I was always like, is this really what I want to do? With my, well, the first few months, I was always planning to go to another chemistry-type job. But then eventually, I was like, this is a ridiculous idea. I wasn't mm. happy. So, like, what do I want to do? And I have a friend that was in school to, to be a therapist. And, um, yeah, I was kind of into the material as much or more than she was. I was like, oh, this is, like, super interesting. And um, I started taking some classes. And then that's kind of how it started. I wanted to do something that was more like meaningful, like when I was older and I looked back at my life and really helped people or contributed more positively to people's life. And I'm not saying technology doesn't do that, but it's way more indirect. It's way more indirect effects. So got it. That was my motivations to doing it in the first place. So okay, so that's really helpful. All right. So you then just started consuming some psychology literature and then you just took some classes, like yeah. grad school classes, or well, I didn't qualify. Like, <laughs> I applied to be in the program at the uh, Illinois School of Professional Psychology, but I, I didn't um, quality rejected me. <laughs> they said I don't have the right classes, so I had to take some undergraduate classes because oh, I have a chemistry degree. Yeah, that's right. I only had like general psychology yeah, or mm-hmm. something like that. So, bunch of prereqs, and then you get yeah, in. Yeah, but it was good though. Like, I took a 
class a semester, do some prerequisites. Do I really want to do this? It was like a feeling out, mm-hmm. ramping up. How into this material really am I? And so that with my master's probably took five, six years. Really? Five years? Yeah. While, while working at the tech company? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I was doing a lot of things at the same, kind of like now, but in a yeah. weirder kind of way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and eventually I was I was working and then I was more full-time in school for my master's and was working. And I was kind of moving up in technology. So right when I had to do my internship, my last year, I was literally, I would go to um, Walgreens Health Initiative, which was the insurance side of Walgreens. And and I was called the, uh, I was called the subject matter expert, like business analyst. So I was like one step below the project manager. Oh. But I was like running the project for the first few months. So I would go to there in the morning to like noon where I was like in charge of all these meetings. I don't even know. It was like a two, $3 million project. And like... <laughs> And then after that, at like noon or one, I would head to my internship in Barrington for Barrington Youth and Family Services. And then I was like this intern. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> not, you know, I'm trying to like lay low or yeah. I'm an intern getting yeah. clinical experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the same time, I was like launching this technology company on the side too. So, and I lived in Oak Park. So it was like driving All and over. yeah, it was crazy for a little bit. Okay, so <laughs> story crazy. So, this, so now, so yeah, I'm, I, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. So, so then internships over. Uh, then you have to get your hours in, right? Are you a, a LCPC or I'm an LCPC? LCPC. Yes. Okay. So I did my um, I did my internship at Barrington Youth and Family Services mm-hmm. um, under the director Rochelle Schulman, who's a very wise social worker and like for sure one of my clinical mentors. Mm. Um, you know, and uh, eventually I was hired on staff at there. There were some transitions okay. there. Rochelle called me. She's like, I need help with this. Like, yeah, I'll take a huge pay cut. I was like, and, oh, yeah. And <laughs> oh, the amount of pay cut I had leaving technology yeah. to like help people. Like, not quite <laughs> six <laughs> digits, but like, you know, like that's what we're talking. Yeah. But I kind of knew that was the plan. Mm-hmm. And my lifestyle never ramped up to like. Living Dude, it, I, yeah. I live frugally, which mm-hmm. my dad makes fun of me sometimes, like mm-hmm. how frugal I am. Yeah. <laughs> Your dad. Yeah. But, like, but it creates that it's opportunity. It's the opposite around where we're like criticizing your parents and grandparents being frugal, <laughs> right. but yeah. <laughs> right. But like it, it worked. I knew that was coming down the pipe and mm-hmm. I knew that was the plan. And so mm-hmm. you get your hours and from there, I'll just figure it out. So how did you come to owning your first private practice then? Um, once I was licensed, me and someone else opened my practice. Oh, called. just like that, like you just like license and it's time. Yeah, after my li- yeah, after I was fully licensed, I don't know. It was a natural transition for me. Mm-hmm. I started a technology company in two thousand four, two thousand five. We're not talking me and like a hundred employees, yeah. like um, me. Sometimes a few other people because I had a product in pharmacy technology. Um, Actually, one pharmacy still uses them um, and that technology side. So um, yeah, I like was launching this product at the same time I was doing this stuff. So I, I knew how to do some startup type stuff. And so I kind of wrapped my brain around that. Mm-hmm. And I knew the real money was in like, I could do the same job I was pretty much doing in Barrington, mm-hmm. but for myself and making real money. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, and I love Barrington Youth and Family Services. Like I still check in like mm-hmm. what's going on with them and um, their role in the community. Um, you know, there's, Kind of had private practice vibe, but still community vibe. Okay, Even though yeah. Barrington's a generally well-off place, there's mm-hmm. still lots of people with need oh, yeah. compared to there and Carpentersville and did a lot of sliding scale or pro bono work um, that they did for clients. So like that was like – that's still 
that part of not-for-profit is still like a part, part of me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so I had ideas, maybe even launching projects like that in the future, but. So you started your your own private practice with a buddy or a friend or something. Right. And then what What? What was the name? Is that one it was of the called? Ones? No, it wasn't under these. It was called Arlington Counseling Services. Arlington Counseling Services. Right. I feel like I know that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if, it was, if you do a web search for me, I probably have some domains that. But there's there's a few practices like with very similar nice. names. Okay, okay. So like <laughs> Arlington Counseling Center, counseling. Okay, okay. But it was also with a few rooms, like two, three therapists. Okay. And so what happened then? Because you're no longer part of that. Right. Um, what happened to that is, uh, like, Lake Cook Behavioral Health had some, the original owners mm-hmm. were, like, starting to reach, they don't want to manage stuff anymore. And Lake Cook Behavioral Health was owned by a larger profit um, called One Hope United. I've got a lot of details here. I don't think I'm contractually breaking anything. Okay. But, like, <laughs> but, like, they were looking for people to, like, help run the place. And they needed help, and mm. I got a cold call. Really? <laughs> and they're like, "Just come run it, and we'll." No, well, they're interviewing lots of people. Oh, okay. And they talked to me, and I mean, this is the short version of the story. Sure, they talked to you. And I, like, I we won want them you to over, come, like a managing director type thing. They need or? someone to already take over the place. They okay. would keep some ownership, but like. Okay, so we um, need you to. All right, so we'll give owner, you ownership. They need an owner to come in, manage the place, handle it take care of the people there. There's five locations. Oh, yeah. So it's, that's okay. It's <laughs> so compared to my scale, but, you know, the funny thing is, is that, like, like I wasn't intimidated by that for a few reasons. I probably should have been. But mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just arrogant. I don't know why. I don't know. But, like, my strengths in running a business have, have uh, I feel like they're kind of universal. Like, I'm a little obsessed with efficiency, um, operationally, I like to figure out how, how stuff works. I'm kind of frugal. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to take care of staff. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not a top-down uh, director, a top-down owner. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of – I see myself as supporting my staff. Like, I, I work for them kind yeah. of. Yeah. And so I think I bring a lot to that. But especially back-end stuff, I think I bring especially a lot to how to work efficiently and especially how to leverage technology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just like the whole record size, like – the whole records, like entering in clinical records, mm-hmm. the whole billing process. I worked in pharmacy where that stuff is complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pharmacy billing is real time. Like you know what your copay is right when you go in there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, mental health is batch. It's like, it's brainless to me. It's yeah. like, oh, we batch a file and we send it. So <laughs> leveraging technology, how to operate. It's like I had no worries about that because I, I worked a lot on that in technology mm-hmm. and the workflow kind of things. So- um, I could build a lot of efficiencies in things that in, in essentially make staff happy. So right, okay. So now I'm going to take a different direction now, <laughs> okay. just because now I'm curious about the technology side. Because you mentioned in our conversation months ago that you they one of your practices uses the technology that you built right. for billing and those types of things. Right, the, our medical record software. I pretty much coded most okay. of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, a lot, majority of my clients use something like simple practice. Yeah, simple practice, yeah. Make it I'm, real easy. I review them all the time. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious how they operate. You know, I'm curious yeah. other other software. I just... Yeah, because it's, it's, it's kind of a growing space, and it just seems like simple practice, to me, it's, it's well-funded. They do a lot of... 
right you know, do telehealth i don't mean to do a simple practice i may be a competitor with them eventually i'm yeah. like no they do telehealth they um it does a lot of things they're online forms yeah. a lot of it's a lot of it's really well done so the know? technology you built then is basically dealing with a lot with the insurance companies and Right, it's it's EMR, it's medical record software. So entering in clients, mm-hmm. tracking in their client records, okay, um, like billing, the whole thing. Got it. You know, we don't do tele telehealth isn't built in yet, like video, but yeah. like eventually we will. But yeah. I know it's not even really it's not even on the market really. Yeah, you just we're just using it internally. <laughs> but I developed it like well, that's a whole other funny story. Yeah. Like so, Barrington Youth and Family Services, they're like they were all paper records. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and so like they weren't even like the staff weren't even on the internet. All right, and this was like 2005, 2000. Okay, like yeah. the staff people and they had Wi-Fi, just nobody was like on it. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm there because sometimes in, in turn you're just like, there's a lot of dead time. You're not mm-hmm. doing anything. And I'm like, man, I need some internet here. And so I realized from upstairs I could connect to the downstairs internet. But all this kind of like ruffled feathers goes. Mm-hmm. And I'm a technology guy. That's like, yeah, came from my job at noon. Remember, like, <laughs> I was running the project. <laughs> but all this like ruffled feathers, like, oh no, Brian gave everybody internet. I'm like, here's the Wi-Fi password. Did you know it was here? And they're like, no, like. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah, that caused trouble. Eventually, I proposed, hey, you guys need record software to like do your billing mm-hmm. and, you know, it's all Save papers, lots of money, save lots of time. Space, and, yeah. Stuff like this. This is the kind of stuff you need. So, and you so started I started, yeah, I was like into teaching myself how to code then. Okay. And so I was like, I started building and you need something like this. Yeah. And then I kind of prototyped it and they said, okay. <laughs> Let's use this. And then, okay, wow. Okay, so that's that's kind of the origin story of that. And then you bring it over to uh, Lake to Cook. To Counseling, then Lake Cook eventually, mm-hmm. yeah. Behavioral. And then how big is Lake Cook Behavioral Health? Um, we have four locations. Mm-hmm. Four locations, 25 therapists okay. or so. Mm-hmm. Right. And then- Mainly Northwest suburbs. We have a off, uh, Evanston in, uh, um, an office in Evanston okay. also. Now tell me, uh, then the second practice- Clinical care consultants. Did you buy that? Or did yes, they... I took over, bought that uh, a year and a few months ago. Okay. Man, I got questions on that too. All right, so let's back. <laughs> I want to make sure we cover. So don't... if you're trying to help your audience, like how to do this, uh, maybe that's <laughs> insightful here. But I mean, some of this stuff is just luck, man. Yeah. Um, uh, Like, I feel like, like, let's go back to my dad making fun of me. I mean, yeah. he doesn't like make fun of me, but he's like, he was always like, Brian, your interests... Because I have a wide variety of interests. Sure. Uh, your interests don't combine. Yeah. Like, they're like technology, yeah. mountain biking. I used to fight. I tell you that. No. I used, like, I have a big like martial arts Mar- background. Oh, okay. Mar- okay. Yeah. Like, I have a traditional martial arts background, but was sport fighting, mm-hmm. uh, kickboxing. You know, like, mm-hmm. like, and I was in this counseling degree. Yeah, like, yeah. none of the stuff mixes yeah. here. And then suddenly, it all, like, started to mix. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ara started to, like... Like my my experience in technology got me this Lake Cook Behavioral Health opportunity. Oh, interesting. They're that, like, we love this idea. They're we like, could... they're like, how do you do billing? And I'm like, the software does it. Let me diagram. Let, Let me show you. Here's how this works. Mm-hmm. Clinical records connect to the billing, which for a lot of people is just like dumb and obvious. Yeah. But for people not in the loop, mm-hmm. and so I spoke a lot to that, and so they're like, oh wow, you like. Yeah. Knows operation. Brian's a visionary. Right. He is the man. Well, it looks like that, but over. most people yeah. like in the industry yeah. are like, yeah. there's nothing visionary about it. And I'm like, the software does mm-hmm. the billing? Now, you still have to manage billing and problem claims and stuff. And 
Okay. Well, All right. I, I don't know if I get back to your question. What was your question? Well, <clears throat> I was... Okay, so we talked talk about the... T- I knew this interview was going to be like this. We're just going to be all over the place. <laughs> uh, so the two practices. So tell me a little bit. Okay, um, so how do you manage... So what is... As, as, an, as a private practice owner of two private practices, like how do you manage that? Um, tell us you've you got to have a team, at least somewhat. We have... <laughs> Yeah, we have a small team. Mm-hmm. Like my main person, her name's Katie Gifford. She she goes by idle title office manager. Mm-hmm. She should really be called director of operations. Yeah. Okay. So we have other right now it's weird with COVID. We've kind of don't mm-hmm. have money. Um other administrative staff right now because some of the new people we hire like rolled off and stuff like that. But really it's Katie Give my my office manager handles a lot of the day-to-day troubleshooting, connecting with staff, and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, it all has to do with how scalable your procedures and processes are, mm-hmm. okay? If you look at anything you do during the day, like um, like an intake, a new mm-hmm. client coming in, or a new patient client, whatever you call them, um, or a billing process, or whatever it is, anything that takes too much labor or a lot of hours is something's broken. Mm-hmm. Things need to be streamlined and effective. I could literally probably add three offices and maybe just add a halftime person or something because it's all about streamlining stuff, hopefully using technology and software. Now, would that spread me out as a director and like like I've spent a lot of time lately just meeting with people and relationships and stuff like that. But yeah, um, but yeah it's so much about efficient processes. And most, th- I mean, most therapists aren't into what I'm into. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's right. this thing here. I'm not like built like a lot of like, and again, therapists are built all sorts of ways. Right. But like, I'm going to take like, I'm going to total stereotype here. Some people are very soft or I think sometimes people who go into social work might be a little more like, a little more um, so emotion and softer focused than like maybe a clinical psychologist who's like maybe doing assessment. There's different sure. personalities that sure. tend to a certain degree. I'm totally generalizing. Oh, yeah, here. yeah, yeah. But like, um, so I'm a certain type of person built a certain kind of way that can manage business and it's not for everyone. Right. You know, so I really leverage my strengths to like for operational efficiency. Like, like if we're doing the same dumb process over and over, I go, how do we stop this from happening? Like, how do right. we develop a process? Because I built the software. Mm-hmm. We can even tweak the software around it. Like uh, um, for some HMOs, sometimes we have to send in authorizations. I built in like an authorization tracker. You have six left. You have five left. You have four left. Here's the form. It faxes out. Like... So I'm not manually yeah. doing, doing anything. Right. I'm not keeping track and not getting paid. The software does that. Right. You know exactly how many you have. Here's the darn form. It's going to pre-populate as best it can. So, okay. So, all right. Another side. side. <laughs> so this is something that uh, in the private practices I support, I, I provide a lot of operational kind of mm, guidance, I should say. Right. In fact, I'm, I'm even in the process of hiring an intake coordinator to support up to three of my private practices. Right. Because the way some of my agreements work is like revenue sharing. Right. So in the beginning- Yeah, I heard that about your model. That's interesting. Yeah. because And I was like, oh, I wanted this video from you. Revenue sharing? I'm like, you're like, no way. But other people that might be like- (laughs) Right. If they're just starting out, you know, it doesn't cost them really anything. But if it's a good fit, I'll, you know, I'll be in there for the long term and I'll help with the marketing. But there's also this operational side where- I maybe have an intake coordinator that supports a couple of private practices and right. just gets 
gets we we streamline the processes and get those intakes through totally and, and, totally in demand so i talk with my uh, katie my office manager mm-hmm. and we could easily spin off a few businesses here sometimes we're like let's not take this on but a lot of people need like administrative support mm-hmm. in the form of like intakes mm-hmm. and they need like billing support mm-hmm. now we said the software does the billing a lot of people i mean some people need just total billing support like yeah. can't bill at all and they're yeah. just like oh and they want to pay you seven or eight percent or whatever yeah. but most people that's not the case the software is doing the billing they need someone to to troubleshoot problem claims mm-hmm. maybe follow up maybe do eligibility checking i don't know like they need to handle um, exception case billing stuff and administrative. So I had this concept that we launch a service that's because a few things. One is your front end administration mm-hmm. answering the phone for you, mm-hmm. doing intakes. Two does like billing supports, that kind of thing, because yeah. that's what smaller private practices really need. We haven't yeah. like launched this yet, but yeah. you're you're talking about doing that front part of it. Yeah, actually, the fr- that front part's really important, and maybe and maybe it goes into something like that one, right? But it. Right now, I mean, I I imagine your private practice experience just in the last few months, just a flood. Right. The mental health crisis is so crazy right Right. Everyone's busy. And so just- Everyone's full. So just getting that that flow, even if it's managing a a wait list, if you have one of those. Yeah, some people keep it, yeah. And uh, here's what I found out is there's a lot of, there's two strengths that a private practice owner needs, I think. There's lots of strengths, but two of them. One is your network. Right. Who can? Where can you go to hire somebody when you need someone? You mean a clinician or could, yeah, like other, okay, yeah, like who? Like, do you have a network of clinicians you can go to and say, "Hey, I'm looking to hire somebody. Do you know anyone?" Right. Or well, how connected are you are to the universities to maybe get a new graduate in or something right. like that? So there's that network, and then the the second network is, or the second problem would be. Um, now I'm actually trying to remember it. I think it was the intake. Because what I found is that what I, if I do my job well, which I think I have, mm. you get a ton of intakes. And that's another problem. It's like, now I have a bat log. How do you that? actually manage that and not let them fall through the cracks? So right. at least that front end part, I think, is really important. And the billing one is like a handful of my clients are private pay. So right. they don't even deal with that. Yeah, I call nice. the healthcare elites. Yeah. Private pay. <laughs> what does it take to keep... Uh, a good flow of clients and be private pl- private pay. Holy cow! Yeah, it, I mean, plenty of people do it, but yeah. like to me, especially because I come from not for profit, just like yeah, whoa, yeah. It's it's part of it is a philosophical side and right. also just like a business decision. Like I don't want to manage a lot of extra stuff, and I and people who have dealt with insurance before, right. if they cannot deal with it, they would rather do that. It takes a little time, but it's right. We've been able to do it. Or or you're a hybrid where you're all private pay except for maybe Blue Cross Blue Shield who reimburses right. the most. And clinical something. care consultants is has limit takes less insurances. Lake Cook Beaver Health is like we take everything but Medicaid, okay. really. Yeah. But clinical care consultants has always been just a little smaller range. Before there was a reimbursement discrepancy, it's kind of closed a lot mm-hmm. of insurances and we're not allowed to talk about actual rates, but yeah. like, uh, but they've closed that some of the insurances that didn't pay as much, so it's less of an issue. Actually, but, okay. um, but yeah, it was just like Blue Cross Blue Shield only, yeah. and it was you know a, a big enough insurance where it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. So, so okay, so software streamline your process. You right. have you have a rock star rock operation. star operations person. Yeah, and then and then so you have operations that oversee both. Yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, it's the same staff. Okay, and then uh, is your intake coordination 
like one team but oversees both practices or yeah just katie she takes on takes oh wow (laughs) (laughs) and we have like we have some gaps in into like we don't have online forms even right now it's like okay you know like it's soon next few months okay wow all right so yeah she's that's you know good that's one of the main parts of her position Mm -hmm. and the other processes are so streamlined yeah like we don't even like realize maybe how other things other people deal with like because some of the stuff is just super efficient yeah you know oh man (laughs) that's great yeah i should probably be a consultant to like consult either smaller or bigger organizations to like you know, because I don't have enough going on. Yeah. So, like, because really, that's just my strength. I have operational strength. Mm-hmm. I'm really not strong at marketing. <laughs> I'm really not. Like, we we do plenty. I, you know, like, we've talked about marketing stuff and even Google ads. Yeah, and yeah. what am I doing with this Google? I've stopped most of my Google ads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, so, like... So I've leveraged that a lot. Um, I've, I'm a total advocate of Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary mm-hmm. V. Yep, so yep. what does Gary V say? He's like, you got to, well, he says lots of stuff. Yeah. I love the guy. He's concrete. Yeah. He's focused on empathy, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. kindness in your practice as a business guy. I mean, that's great. Straight talk. But he's yeah. stra- straight, <laughs> just concrete, concrete, but kind. But like, um, he's like, you got to play to your strengths. He's like, everybody's trying to sell you on your weaknesses all the time. Hmm. And for you to get awesome at something you're weak at, this is like not an efficient use of time. You have to mitigate it so it doesn't screw you. Yeah. Um, but like focus on what you're strong at. And so I started to focus on strong at. Like I'm horrible at day-to-day administrative tasks. Yeah. Like, like it's not stimulating enough. I clearly have some stimulation, ADHD like traits, sure. right? Yeah. I need something to be a certain stimulating, but I have mm-hmm. a great ad- administrator who handles that stuff and mm-hmm. is strong at that. Yeah. So I put somebody in that position that that does that because I can't do everything and I'm not that great at marketing. It's on my radar. I got all these videos recorded. I haven't even just posted yet. <laughs> I got 20 videos. Wow. I haven't even posted them yet just because yeah. it's like I even got it done. It's just like not on my radar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm more obsessed with like, did they have to enter this field in every time and not need it? Like, it's a disease, but I it's focused like mm-hmm. on certain areas, and so I yeah. run with that and well, expand that. And Susan had uh, my wife uh, she, in her podcast. Um, she had a, a clinical psychologist who does ADHD testing, so they right. had this great conversation about children and ADHD, and they said um, it's not that they have uh, there's attention deficit and everything. It's just right. in some things. And in other things, they have incredible attention. Right. To. It's called hyperfocus. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's an ADHD superpower. Yeah. It really is. And so uh, that's probably. Right. Yeah. For you, me, ADHD is so much about like, uh, it's so much about stimulus mm-hmm. and, and your brain's stimulus need. There's so many people who can probably put this more articulately, but like <laughs> people's stimulus need and the need to meet that stimulus. Yeah. And I mean, that's just what distractibility is. Your brain just finds something yep. more stimulating yeah, and on the, on the hunt for it. Yep. Knows whether it's really going to meet that need, but yeah, anyway. So, <laughs> so my next curious question is uh, curious question. My question, uh, curiosity, now that you mentioned it, how do you buy a private practice? How do you buy one? Well, this that was, was through, your second one. This was through networking. Okay. So that's a big part of it. Like, in some ways, I'm also horrible at networking. Which is funny because I think I'm like the friendliest person ever. Like I'll talk to strangers at the like grocery store. Um, I'm I'm just like bad at them. My friend Wendy, she's awesome at networking. 
awesome. I wonder if I can afford this to her. Mm-hmm. She's like great at networking. She runs a private practice. Ivy Lane down in uh, Naperville, guys. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a same her practice. Okay. Give it a shout out. Um, <laughs> yeah, like she's just great at that. She has a little more hospital, like residential, no residential background. Or, um, and like mm-hmm. I never went that route because I like changed uh, careers and I went right into private practice as part of my background. Mm-hmm. So, but I still try and keep contact with a lot of practice owners, like um, other directors, other people who do the kind of job I do. I think a lot of director or owners don't talk to other owners that much. Right. And yeah. so that's the only way we like, who knows what we experience. There's a, you know, only select handful of all, like what we go through, especially with bigger practices. And right. So yeah, across the parking lot with me was clinical care consultants at that time. Uh, Ross Rosenberg, who's a specialist in narcissism and codependency, released a few books and he has his practice and um, yeah, it just started coming up. Just, hey, do you want to buy my practice? I think he wanted to focus on other things. He does oh, okay. a lot of online training, mm. seminars. He travels the world. He's okay. like, goes to Europe. He's on TV and crap. He's like, <laughs> he wants to focus on that. Yeah. He's deep into his like, um, he's deep into like his theory about how to treat narcissism okay. and writing books. And I think that's really like his passion, what's, what he wants to do. And I think like running a practice was like wearing on him. So was he like, okay, um, I like for you to be majority owner, part owner, take the whole thing. Just I'll, I'll receive. Well, I don't want to get into a detail. I don't know oh, which okay. one he like wants to reveal, but it it just you know I think he wanted to do something else, and mm-hmm. he, he built this, and and I was there. He's like, "What do you think of this?" And it just fits onto our yeah, you know, or fits into our model. We could run multiple offices. I couldn't even run more if I was really like wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like one of my strengths, just building connections with the therapists. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as, as, so as someone else told me, like my job is to win the, when I come in and practice is to win the hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like I'm pretty real and pretty genuine. And I'm just like, I try and be a service to people and that, and it's just was a good match. And yeah, there you go. That's, (laughs) it sounds so easy, but it's, In some ways, it's the most difficult thing ever. In some ways, it's it's easy, but I feel like I'm just kind of built for it mm-hmm. and the stressors of it and realizing that, um, again, this is total Gary Vism. Yeah. I'm the bad news guy. Mm. People come to me with bad news. If my phone rings before, like, let's say I have a meeting to schedule Monday and I get a call this week on Thursday, a phone because people with email and stuff like that, like I know something's up. Like the internet's down at a location. I'm the bad news guy, yeah. and that's what I signed up for. And you got to like embrace that. Mm-hmm. Um, the buck stops with me, and I'm just built for it. You know? Wow, because that's a lot. Now you told me before we started recording. It's like, uh, you know, I, I'm actually home a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm home a lot. <laughs> you're, home, you're home a lot with the kids and the family, and so right. And so, what does what does a week look like then for you as it relates to managing? I'm gonna feel like a total slacker, and um, <laughs> I mean this this is very interesting to me to me because this is like how people operate. I feel like I could be doing like like I feel like I could be functioning. <laughs> Maybe my staff shouldn't hear this. I feel like I could be doing even more or functioning like on a work way, work wise, putting even more time and energy in. But I'm sacrificing that right now because I have little kids mm-hmm. and I want to mm-hmm. be home with them a lot. Sure, and they're the cutest ever, and 
It's a great um, age. Right. My kids are three and almost five, and I dedicate a lot of time to that. Um, I still spend a lot of time working, but um, I like I'm so interested in like how people work and how people operate. It's like enthralling to me. Yeah. And for me, getting I like to say, and I'm just throwing numbers out here, getting six or eight things, important things done in in any month is far more important than what I did in any six or eight workout, any six hours of work. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, like, am I just going to sit and grind for six or eight hours? Like, that's not my style. Mm-hmm. I'm more of an idea guy mm-hmm. who has certain strengths and I'm not going to sit and grind at a desk for eight hours. Um, maybe I could get even more done, but like six or eight project stuff done in a month really moves me forward. Yeah. And part of our growth, cause we've had great growth the last few years. It's not just cause of my staff being full. It's other things like, uh, let, let's just say in any month, all I did was get a, a rate increase by Optum. Let's just say that's the only real project I've done. Yeah. That month was worth it yeah. and maybe way more important than any other stuff. So me realizing metal, what's important, again, Gary V words, yeah. metal, what's important and focusing on that gets me results and not getting lost in the micro day-to-day stuff, which I need to do and be responsive with and everything. Right. But focusing on those meta important things and not lost in other stuff. Um, I think there's stuff that adds to my efficiency. I really stay in my lane. Like of especially if I'm successful, what works? Mm-hmm. Do I look at other practices? Do I <laughs> right. this and that? Like I look, but like I probably have one of the bigger practices in the Chicago area. Yeah, I don't really know exactly. <laughs> I've gotten curious, but it's not a curious of like envy what they're doing right. over there. I'm like, oh, I wonder like how big this turned out. But like I really blinders on stay in my lane as far as like what i need to do what helps clinical practice how do i help support my staff i look outside going oh their software is telehealth that would be like good to add in as an efficiency or something like that but i really just bring it back to my lane mm-hmm. um so spend a lot of time with my kids and i focus on these bigger picture things that i feel like make a difference mm-hmm. well yeah that's 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 incredibly wise staying in your lane especially as a someone who's as busy as you are with the two practices with your kids and, you know, being available for your kids staying home, that's a good lane to be in. Right. That's it's an important re- lane for me. Yeah. yeah. Am I a little less responsive? I've, uh, I've made that decision. Mm-hmm. And if Brian takes you two days to get back to you instead of one, I've surrounded, I've probably been slow to get back to you sometimes. Like, <laughs> I'm like, he's a vendor. <laughs> like it's stuff drops off sometimes. Mm-hmm. Again, told, back to Gary V. Yeah. Gary V says, they're like, they ask Gary, how do you like prioritize and get to everything? You're like, I prioritize and get to what I get to. And I hold myself accountable, but I don't like judge myself. I'm not critical of myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was slow to get back to Brent's. Um, That's what happened. And a dude like, and I was like focused on my kids being present and not like working when I'm with mm-hmm. kids the whole time. Mm-hmm. And that's the sacrifice I'm making now. And I have to fully like accept that. And the consequences that come with that and the end. Someone's yeah. mad at me, you know, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, thanks for uh, joining me on the, the podcast today. I'm sorry, I'm just ranting here, guys. I don't know well, if that's this not, is helpful. I, no, this was me kind of just, uh, you know, <laughs> questions that I've been, you know, looming and uh, questions, you know, and kind of problems I've been trying to think through and trying to solve for 
for clients because there are a lot of pain points and there's a lot of inefficiencies. But if you're going right. to be a successful practice and be able to serve a lot of people, but also keep your clinicians full and things like that, there's a lot of things that you have to consider that most um, private practice owners don't. Right. Uh, and, and if they do, it's a little too late. And there's just lots of pain points. Right. And I made a video of this that I should really put out. I think like where you want to be in your growth like is a big deal. And uh, it's really important to know yourself. If you just want to be yourself in a private practice, you can make great money and not have outside response. You, your clients, a little administrative work. Fine. If you want an office where they share the cost, like two offices where it's shared, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You just have to know every step there makes some more administrative work. You know, if you have a second, as soon as you had a second location, it's just like, all right. But you have to know like what makes you happy, where you want to be. You could just be yourself, like building to private pay or just Blue Cross Blue Shield and be happy. And that's like most important. Like you don't need like a therapy empire like mine. I I use that just jokingly because it's ridiculous. (laughs) Like I don't even know what happened. I like might not make everybody happy, might make a lot of people miserable. Yeah. And so I think that's like the first step people need to do. Like, what are your, even me, I'm like, do I really need another practice? Like, all right, Brian, it's going out of control here. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, when the so, kids are teenagers, maybe. Right. No, even then not. Anyway, but that's a whole, <laughs> I could rant about that too. But that's, I think, a great starting point for people. Like, what do you really want to do? What makes them happy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Well, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, me? Let's see. I'm probably easiest to, um, Probably my email, Brian. I like my email out, Brian yeah. at lakecookbehavioral.com. Lakecookbehavioral.com is the website, okay. and that's probably the best way. All right, great. Well, thanks for joining me on the show. No problem. And if you found this conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast, and please join me again next time for the Brand Your Practice podcast.